A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. On the last episode of Journey, Everest Base Camp. I'm faced with my first predicament of this trek. Uh, the girl that I'm doing, the, that I ended up joining up with, with our guide, she's really struggling. And um, in the space of probably just over an hour, I'm probably already, I've split from them. And... Um, I think I'm already probably an hour in front. Certainly now that I'm out on my own, you get the sense of how isolated you are. Uh, There's not many people around now. The direction I'm heading, straight up there. That's where I'm going to find Gokyo. And I think what I'm going to do is stay there for two nights because I'm going to be making an elevation gain today of probably six or 700 meters, which is quite high in one day. From Brevity Studios in New Zealand, I'm Ryan Wolfe, and this is Journey. Last night was not a good night in terms of sleep. Um, the altitude definitely got me a bit after yesterday. I had a headache all night. Just didn't feel great at all. Um, yeah, but got through it. I'm okay this morning, but still got a headache. Just had a couple of Panadol. Um, my blood oxygen levels are okay. Um, but I tell you what, it is cold. I went to fill up my water bottle, and uh, and all the taps inside are frozen solid. So she's very, very cold. Um, I'm going to head out into the dining room, and I just went out and sculled like a liter and a half bottle of water. Head out and get myself some breakfast and try and warm up. Yeah, I think today's <clears throat> going to be a bit of a rest day. Just let myself acclimatise. Um, moving into these 
next few days, which are going to be very big days. So, yeah, breakfast, breakfast. This morning, the world doesn't seem quite so rosy. I've still got a headache, but once I'm up and about, I do start to feel a little bit better. I think the key is to keep moving. I swallow a couple paracetamol and make my way down to the lounge where I chew away at a couple Tibetan pancakes next to the large yak dung fire in the centre of the room. Yep, I'm spoiled in this lodge. But to be honest, I'm really not hungry and push them around the plate for a while before I finally force them down. Something I'll learn is that one of the symptoms of altitude sickness is exactly this. Loss of appetite. I recall in Dole, Hanky could barely eat a few mouthfuls of food. I didn't understand at the time, but now I understand perfectly. All in all though, it could be worse. I'm guessing that as my body acclimatizes today, I'll slowly feel better. And fingers crossed, I should be okay by tonight. Surprisingly, I've had a message from Nidijan this morning, telling me that Hanky is much improved, and they will be making their way to Gokyo today. How is this even possible given Hanky's condition yesterday? And getting a taste of what she was going through now myself, I'm blown away. I'm sure there will be a story that comes with it though. He says he'll let me know when they arrive and we can make a plan. In the back of my mind, I can't help but think about the fact that this will be the second time he's made this journey in the last 24 hours. And I feel terrible. But for now, I need to just focus on what I'm doing and cross that bridge when I get to it. It's time to focus on my plan for the day. And as I've said before, you should climb high and sleep low. And that's exactly what I plan to do. Gokyo has to be hands down the most beautiful place I've stayed in my life. Looking out the window of the lodge, I can see that the settlement sits right next to a pristine blue alpine lake. And this lake is in the shadow of a semicircle of mountains. We're effectively in a secluded bowl. I grab my jacket and my camera and head outside. Strangely, it feels warmer outside than in at this point. It's 8am and the sun outside is already warming the stones, even at this relatively early hour. Gokyo is a place virtually everyone stops to acclimatise. But there's another reason too. Well, two reasons actually. The most famous one being the Gokyo Re Peak at 5,357 metres elevation, which is located right next to the settlement and provides arguably some of the best views of Everest on the entire trek. The second is Renjo Pass, at 5,345 metres, which is one of the three passes included in the infamous Three Passes EBC trek. The others being Chola Pass, which I will be crossing, and also Kongma Pass, which isn't part of the Gokyo Re route. 
A pass is effectively the high point between two mountains and will normally look like a steep wall through which you pass through the mountain range. Due to the heights of the passes, they often include a glacier crossing requiring crampons and great care. Renjo Pass, however, does not require a glacier crossing and during summer and spring months can generally be crossed with no additional equipment. Standing on the front steps of the lodge, I look out to see Gokyor Ri Peak, in front and to the right of the settlement. And directly ahead, on the other side of Gokyor Lake, is the famous Renjo Pass. As I'm planning on staying here two nights, I've decided that today I'll climb Renjo Pass, and tomorrow, Gokyor Ri. Because it's another beautiful day, and I'm able to leave my pack at the lodge, I'm traveling light, just a windbreaker and my camera. I crunch my way down through the sleepy village and skirt around a yak who watches me curiously while taking in the morning sun. As I make my way down to the lake edge, a scruffy but very content-looking dog has found a prime spot perched on a rock with views to die for. It's so quiet apart from the lapping of the water on the lake's edge and the trickling of a small stream nearby. Jesus, almost slipped over on some ice. All right, so after um, some breakfast, a coffee, a bit of water, feeling pretty good now. Uh, so, this morning I'm going to head up Renje Pass, I believe it's called, uh, which is about a three-hour round trip. So, when you're in Gokyo, there's the famous Gokyo Ri, which is a big hill slash mountain right next to the settlement, and this is where you can get the best views of Mount Everest anywhere. Uh, but the plan is to do that tomorrow. Today, just a bit more of a cruisy rest day. Um, right now I'm crossing like a, a water... Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so Renje Pass goes around the, the, around the bottom of Gokyori and then up what looks to be a pretty vertical slope of scree and shale and but yeah, so we'll get up there and see what we can see. But, you know, this morning it's, it's a stunning place. There's a beautiful turquoise lake that the settlement of Gokyo is nestled beside. And then just beautiful mountains right next to it on all sides. Just quiet and peaceful. Uh, yeah, so anyway, let's get around the side here and... Um, and just enjoy this fabulous, fabulous morning. And hopefully we can get some good acclimatisation today. Because, yeah, I didn't feel good last night. And, you know, it can be quite scary when, you know, your oxygen level's dropping to the low 70s and it's the middle of the night and you're sure you're okay. But at the same time, I mean, if you do crash for some reason, you realise how isolated you are and how much trouble you can be in 
when the only way to fix it is to go down and um, when it's like minus 10 outside no helicopters are coming up in the night yeah you have to be careful you know people die of acute mountain sickness every other year or every year some sad stories and you don't want to become a statistic but right feeling good it's just nice have a nice cruisy day up to Rinjay Pass making my way around the base of Gokyori the trail follows the lake's edge before slowly winding its way higher until Gokyo Lake is far below me again it's incredibly surreal but I'm the only person in the area I have the trail entirely to myself although Looking far ahead, I see Renjo Pass begin to tower over me. And as I get closer, I realise that this isn't going to be a casual rest day. And looking ahead, I see the faint dots of porters working their way up the steep slope with huge packs on their backs. Okay, I'm at the bottom of the pass itself. And uh, it's a straight zigzagging trail. At the moment, the only things on it are a few porters and some yaks. I'm not exactly sure what they're taking up there um, because I don't think there's a village or anything up there, so we'll find out. But yeah, it's no doubt they'll be taking gear for some European group I shouldn't say European some foreign group I don't know it's just between you and me I mean there's something that just sort of irks me a bit and I can't really articulate what I feel but you know the people that come here foreigners and you know they go to base camp or they do other things here and they go home or you hear them talking like they're all conquering heroes that they might as well have just climbed Everest yet they walk with packs day packs that wouldn't carry more than a couple kilos and all of their gear hundreds of kilos is carried by porters who are paid next to nothing and it's I mean I carry all my own gear and until I can't carry my own gear that's what I'm going to do but yeah I don't know I think I would say that you know if you can carry your own equipment do it but you know I know the under I know that there's the other angle where okay you're giving someone a job but if that job wasn't one that they were being given perhaps there'd be something else that wasn't quite so brutal I mean, these guys are carrying upwards of 50 kilos on their back up incredibly difficult slopes. Um, and I find it quite sad, to be honest. You get into a guest house and the porters, they all sort of sit by themselves over on the side and just quietly and they don't make a peep. And Whereas, you know, the Westerners take over and they're loud and obnoxious and... I don't know, it just feels like a real class thing and I always try to engage with 
with the locals, learn some language, speak to them, because you, you know they, they do give you something back. Yeah, I think I think more could be done from our point of view as travellers in showing our appreciation for what these guys do because really we're just we're visitors to their country and without them we would be very quickly humbled. So be humble, be nice, and for God's sakes, give them a good tip if you do use a porter. Right. Now I've rambled on long enough. Now up the slope. While it's very steep and loose, it it's actually not not that high, so I can't see this taking more than 10 or 15 minutes, but we'll see. But as I turn and look back, spectacular views, as usual. Gokyo Lake and the mountains, and it's just another flawless day. You couldn't ask for anything more. All right, let's go. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Look, I don't want to be too disparaging towards people that use porters. Honestly, if they weren't there most people likely wouldn't be able to make the trip, which would be a great shame, so don't feel bad if you do. But I'm passionate about people being treated equally, and I get genuinely pissed off when some people seem to have a superiority complex, when the reality is that all they did right was get born in a wealthy country with unlimited opportunity. At the end of my trip, I actually spent an evening chatting to a New Zealand helicopter pilot in his late 20s who had moved here contracting to a local company. A really cool guy with some crazy stories of extreme mountain rescues from heights where helicopters more or less can't technically fly. But he also shares my same feelings about treatment of locals by foreigners. But the advantage he has is that if you're the pilot, you're the boss. And there have been more than a few occasions where he's seen some rich client treat his staff with disrespect. And he's literally resorted to grabbing these people by the scruff of their necks and told them to pull their heads in or they won't be flying anywhere. They'll treat his staff the same way they treat him or they can walk home. And put it this way, no one's ever ended up walking. Anyway, I digress, but I think you get the point. As I reach the bottom of the slope, I find it's a lot of loose rock 
shale, dirt, zigzagging tightly all the way up. The closer I get, the higher it looks. I think this is going to take a wee bit longer than 10 or 15 minutes. And I apologise for the audio here, but yeah, it's windy. Finally, after about 45 minutes, I scramble over the top of the rocky slope and find a flat bowl flanked by the ridge of Renjo Pass, where the team of porters I've shared this section of the trail with are now setting up tents. Just reached the top of Renjo Pass and all the porters that were coming up here before, now they're all setting up tents. Apparently, having a chat to them, they're staying here for the night and then making the pass up up across um, the ridge ahead. We're kind of in the middle of a semicircle of mountains. They're going to cross that tomorrow, so they're busy setting up tents and they've let the yaks go. It's it's quite cool. The yaks just wander on their own and they don't need to be looked after. They don't wander off. It's just starting to get a bit cold up here now. But um, so far, the best view of Mount Everest I've seen. I mean, it's stunning. Standing clear above all the rest. There's sort of a ominous plume of snow or cloud or something that just sort of comes off the top of it like a chimney the thought that people actually go up there voluntarily is quite insane right now yeah it's getting a bit chilly now and uh, I'm not prepared for too cold a weather so get a couple photos and head down great little trip up Descending crumbling slopes like these, you need to be careful. Oftentimes, it's these moments when you let your guard down, slip and break your ankle. There's no way I'm making that mistake. And I'm in no rush. So I enjoy the descent, stopping along the way to admire the simply breathtaking views. Probably the most epic view I've ever seen to this point. 
the turquoise blue Gokyo Lake flanked by snow-capped peaks, with the settlement of Gokyo perched on its edge, and of course, the mighty Himalayan ranges in the distance, with Everest towering above. I'm going to share a video of this fantastic climb and view on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ. But for the first time, from here, I can see something else. A section that I'm due to cross tomorrow. And arguably, the most dangerous section of the entire Gokyo reroute. The Nonzupa Glacier. Which actually begins below the sixth highest mountain in the world, Chouoyu, and extends 36 kilometers past the settlement of Gokyo. From up here, it appears as a strange grey strip, like someone took a crayon and ran it through the landscape. It appears grey because it's covered in rock and loose stone. And like all glaciers, it's a living, breathing thing, constantly shifting and moving and extremely dangerous, if not given the utmost respect. At this point, I'm not sure what the situation is with Nidijan and Hanky, and whether they've made it to Gokyo or not. Will I be crossing this formidable obstacle on my own? I don't know. But for now, one thing is that I feel much better. While I don't feel fantastic, I was able to climb Renjo Pass to an altitude of 5,350 metres with ease. So I feel confident I'm improving, and I'm looking forward to a better night's sleep tonight. Arriving back in Gokyo, I get to my lodge and connect to the internet. I have a message from Nidijan, and he says they've made it to Gokyo. I'm somewhat surprised, as I've only been gone for a few hours. And given the pace of the previous days, I'm struggling to see how that's possible. But he tells me which lodge they're in, so I pack my bag and head off to find them. And when I do, I can't quite believe what I see. In the lounge of the lodge, aptly named the Mountain View Lodge, I find Hanky and Nidijan sitting at the table playing cards. Hanky, now wearing something... I never expected. A huge smile from ear to ear. It seems the tables have turned. But how? The last time I saw her, I didn't see how it was possible she could even complete the trek. As I somewhat sheepishly sit down, yeah, I still feel like a bit of a dick about the whole thing. They inform me of the story of what took place. After Nidijan had returned to Hanky back down in Machermo, she had been given a Diamox tablet. Diamox is the altitude sickness medication I mentioned in an earlier episode. The thing with Diamox, though, is that it is normally considered to be a drug only effective as a preventative, not necessarily as a solution to existing altitude sickness. But miraculously, only hours after she'd taken her first dose, she had an almost complete recovery. She was even able to eat dinner and got a good night's sleep. Then today, when they left from Machermo for Gokyo, she felt completely recovered 
and they made the distance in only a few hours. So how is this possible? Well, I'm not a physician, but I see three possibilities. Either A, the Diamox was a wonder drug that fixed the problem. B, the timing of the dose was coincidental, and she was actually in the process of acclimating naturally while in Machermo. Or C, it was a bit of both. And I'm going to place my bet on C, both natural acclimatization and the Diamox helped her recovery. I believe she'd had at least some effects of altitude sickness since Namche or even before that. And the two days in Dole and then the small elevation gain for the night in Machermo likely was the key. But either way, now she says she feels great. I sit down and we play some cards and relax for a while. But now that I've stopped moving, I start to feel myself deteriorating again. When dinner rolls around, I've completely lost my appetite and can't eat a thing. I also take a Dymox tablet and cross my fingers that this will do the trick. I play cards and try and stay positive, but it's tough. Because there's one thing I'm dreading more than anything else right now. And that's the night. Because I feel worse than yesterday. And if that's anything to go by, this isn't going to be a good night's sleep. Eventually, I make my way off to bed, long before everyone else, dearly hoping that the Diamox is going to have the same effect for me. But sadly, that was not the case. And what transpired was the single most horrible, scary night of my entire life. Describing altitude sickness is quite tricky, but let me try. Imagine it's the hangover that feels like it might actually kill you. I didn't sleep a single moment the entire night. My head hurt constantly, but even worse, I had horrible nausea, which is another symptom. I was tossing and turning the entire night, constantly checking the time, praying for the morning to come. I'll be honest, at this moment, and I'm not ashamed to say, if I could have flicked a button and been at home in my own bed, I would have in an instant. I'd have given up the whole trip. That's how terrible I felt. I really shouldn't have because it made her worry a lot. But at one point I messaged Ashley and said that I loved her and I wished I was home right now. And she knows me. If I'm saying that, something must be very wrong. I was constantly checking my O2 levels, terrified that suddenly I might crash. But they consistently held in the low 70s, which I do find interesting because at different times, the same O2 level didn't result in this level of discomfort. Before bed, Nidijan had told me to let him know the moment my O2 levels went below 70 or that I felt I needed help. Remember, if your oxygen levels suddenly crash below this in the night, it can be a very dangerous situation. 
helicopters don't fly at night, so evacuation by air is impossible. Many trekkers have lost their lives in this exact way. I knew the risks, but now they felt very real. To be clear, any person can get altitude sickness. doesn't matter how fit, young or healthy you are. Managed incorrectly, altitude sickness or acute mountain sickness can progress into HAPE, which is high-altitude pulmonary edema, or HACE, high-altitude cerebral edema, both of which, if untreated, will result in death. These are extreme cases, and if you're planning this trek, I don't want to scare you. Handled correctly, this should not happen. But in this moment, that decision to go on ahead to Gokyo, that large elevation gain, seemed not only foolish, but flat out fucking stupid. Honestly, this is no joke. The guidelines are there for a reason. They are not to be bent and not to be broken. Take it from me. I wish I could end this episode by saying, eventually I managed to fade off and get a few hours of sleep. But I didn't. The darkness seemed to go on forever. It must have been the longest night in history. Aside from the fears for my health, there was now one pervading thought in my mind. If I don't improve tomorrow, how can I possibly continue? Will it be me that has to turn and go back? Is my journey going to end right here? Journey is a Brevity Studios production. Written, produced and narrated by me, Ryan Wolf. You'll find posts with photos and videos dedicated to this podcast on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ. You can support my guide Nidijan with a follow on his Instagram, where he puts up amazing daily photos of his current treks in Nepal. You'll find his Instagram and further details about this trek in the description of every episode. For ad-free listening, bonus episodes and early release, you can subscribe to our Brevity Plus channel on Apple Plus, or you can subscribe to Journey with a one-off payment on Acast Plus. You'll find the details in the show notes of this episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. 
That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.